Let me tell you, there's nothing like being in a room full of believers singing on the name of Jesus and giving him praise and giving him glory. There's nothing like being in a room full of faith-filled people who love their God, who knows where he's brought them from, that where would we be without the Son of God, the Savior of the world, Jesus, the Messiah, the reigning King. Come on, is anybody excited? Is anybody thankful for Jesus? I don't know about you, but I'm ready for church tonight. Maybe you're new to this experience. Let me just tell you, we're a church that gets a little excited. We're a church that's a little bit vocal. We're a church that's not ashamed to worship a God who set us free, because where would we be without his grace and his love? And we honor God. So I want to welcome you tonight. If you're new, this is your first time at Skybreak. Welcome. Church, let's welcome all those again that are new. If you're tuning in from the other side of the screen, we welcome you. We're glad you're here. We love you. We're grateful for our church. Welcome to Christmas at Skybreak. Are you excited to be Christmas? Well, why don't you give someone a hug real quick before you take a seat? Tell them, welcome. Glad you're here. Tell them they smell like cinnamon and spices. Why don't you just look at the person next to you real quick and say, hey, I'm glad you're here. Look at your second best choice. Say, I'm glad you're here too. I want to know how many people looked at their spouse second. <laughs> but we're glad that you're here tonight. And um, I know there's kids in the room. My kids are as well. And then if they get loud, they just get loud. I'll get louder. I'm a, I'm a third generation preacher. I can preach over some noise. I'm okay with that. We've, um, we've been in a, a series of talks over these last few weeks talking about this word called peace. Peace. And I don't know what brought you here tonight. I don't know if a friend invited you. I don't know if you were given an invite card. I don't know if you saw this crazy guy in a plaid shirt on social media saying, hey, welcome. Come to Skybreak at Christmas at Skybreak. I don't know how you, what, what brought you here, but it's no surprise and it's no secret that peace is something we all wish we had more of. We all wish we had more peace in our life. But I've learned in my life that peace can be hard to keep sometimes. It can be hard to hold on to. It can feel fleeting when things are going chaotic, but also when things feel like they're at a standstill. Peace can feel fleeting. So you may say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is I'm talking about when you've been praying for God to do something and you're needing God to move on your behalf, but it seems like nothing's happening. That's what I'm talking about in a standstill. And this is what's happening in the Bible to the people in the Bible before Jesus came. They were at this standstill. The prophecy of a coming Messiah, the very first prophecy before it even happened, like from the time of the first prophecy till when Jesus came, it felt like nothing was happening. It felt like anything but peace for all those who are waiting. And there's this famous passage in Scripture that I know we all come to hear and read on our Christmas time. And I want to read that to you today in Matthew chapter one. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn me to Matthew chapter one? 
And if you wonder why people are standing, we honor God's word and we stand at his word today. Matthew chapter one, verse 20. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, Joseph, in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name. What? Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. I want to talk to you tonight from the title and preach to you from the title. Why is God making me wait? It's going to get good. Tell your neighbor, it's going to be good tonight. Why is God making me wait? Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, for all your blessings and the things that you've given us in our life. We thank you for what you're already doing tonight. God, we thank you for who you are. You're a good father. And tonight, as we celebrate the birth of your son, the savior of the world, the Messiah who came to set us free, to save us by grace, not of works, but to save us by his only his only grace, his beautiful grace, his wonderful grace. God, I pray tonight as we hear your word, I pray that we are changed from the inside out, that we would not be the same way when we walk out of here. Let your word work its way into our soul, into our heart. Speak to us in the hidden places of our life that maybe we haven't turned over to you yet. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. Man, that was a good amen. Say that again. Say amen. amen. Wow. You may be seated. All the kids in the room, say amen. amen. I feel like I'm on the Polar Express for a minute. <laughs> Have you ever felt like you're waiting on God? Have you ever felt like that? Like, like his timing is always perfect, right? But where we sit, it can often feel anything but perfect. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, like when we're in it, it's like this ain't perfect timing. Like, why are you making me wait, God? I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but one of the, the worst feelings in the world and the, one of the worst feelings in life is to wait, to wait, especially when you're waiting on God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, like there's often times when you're like, God, you're just taking too long. Anybody ever felt like that before? Like, God, you're just taking too long. God, where are you? I've been praying for this. God, are you listening? God, God, have you forgotten about me? Anybody ever been there? 
Like you might be praying for, for migraines to be healed in your life. And it hasn't happened yet. You might, you might be praying for a loved one to know Jesus and it hasn't happened yet. You might be praying for a, a new job with good benefits and it hadn't happened yet. You may be praying for your marriage that's hurting, that feels broken, that, that there's all these tension and issues going on and it feels like nothing seems to be getting better. You may be praying for that depression that you feel, that anxiety that seems to overwhelm you to be healed, but it still seems like you wake up and you don't know why your heart's beating so fast and you can barely get yourself out of bed. Or maybe you're single in the room tonight. All the single people, raise your hand. If you're single tonight, raise your hand. Single, raise it loud and proud. And look around, look around, look around, look around. You might go home tonight, get engaged the night before Christmas. Somebody said, that's what I was praying for. Thank you, Jesus. But maybe you're single and you've been praying for a spouse. That man that has a good J-O-B. Got a 401k. Got some savings in the bank. But it hadn't happened yet. And you've been waiting so long and you, now you've gotten to a point in your life where the things you've been praying for, you've, you've waited so long for, you wonder, does God even care? Is God even there? That's exactly what the people in the Bible felt like when they were waiting for a savior to be born. The Bible promised them that a savior was going to come, promised that there was going to be a Messiah that was going to come. And after the prophecies, after prophecy began to happen, you know what happened? Nothing. Nothing. And I want to just show you how long God's people waited. And, and in order to do that, we've got to go all the way back to the very beginning of Scripture. Like I'm talking, take your Bible and go all the way back to Genesis. This is how long the people waited, all the way back to the garden. And if you open up your Bible in the very beginning of time, Genesis chapter one, it says in the beginning, God created and the creation began to happen. And then there came a point where God created man and woe man. Like that man woke up one night and was like, looked over to his side and said, whoa, how you doing? I had never seen you before. And as they begin to live in the garden, there begin to be this serpent that entered and God had told them that you can have anything in this garden that you want except this one tree. Do not eat of this one tree. And then the serpent came in and you all know the story. If you've read the beginning of your Bible, you'll know the serpent came in and began to deceive Eve. And all of a sudden, Adam and Eve sinned against God. They ate of the tree and they begin to feel completely ashamed. And God shows up, he's like, where are you? And they were hiding, they were, they, they realized their nakedness, they, they, all this began to happen. And then you get to Genesis chapter three, and there's this odd verse in the Bible. And many theologians believe that this is the very first prophecy about a savior coming. All the way in Genesis chapter three and verse 15, it goes on to say something like that there's going to be a seed of a woman that will come and crush the serpent's head. The third chapter in the Bible, we see where God promises a savior 
And then decades begin to pass. Centuries begin to pass. And still nothing has happened. And then 700 years before Jesus was to be born, the birth of Jesus, you see Isaiah where he prophesied in Isaiah chapter 7. Therefore, the Lord's The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. So God promises to send a savior. And then God's people waited. Can you relate to that? So the question then comes to to mind, what is God doing when you're waiting? Like, what is he doing when you're waiting? What is he doing when you've been praying for healing in your body? What is he doing when you've been praying for reconciliation to happen in your marriage or in that relationship or with that daughter or with that son? What is he doing? What is he doing when you've been praying for provision to come into your life? Because it seems like all that seems to happen is your money goes right out the pockets. What is he doing when you've been praying for a child and it hasn't happened yet? What is God doing? Is God messing with us? Is he is he trying to tell us something? These are real questions to a real God. What is God doing while we are waiting? I want to show you a period of time in history that's it's not in the Bible, but it was a period of time that that in Scripture you you will see where at the end of the Old Testament to the New Testament. Testament beginning that there was 400 years and that 400 years was called the intertestamental period, the dark ages, so to speak. Let me explain. There was a 400 year period from the the last book in the Old Testament, Malachi, to the New Testament, the very first chapter, the very first verse of Matthew. And in that time, during that time, God didn't speak. It was just silence. Silence. Before they were waiting, at least God was talking. Like before that time happened, at least God was talking to them. How many like, I can do okay if God's still talking to me. I can wait a little bit longer if God is just at least telling me, hey, it's coming. Hey, it's going to be all right. But this was a 400-year period. They've been prophesied that a Savior's coming. All this stuff was going on, and then silence. And I would bet that there are some of you tonight, maybe even many of you, who that's kind of how you feel right now feel like God's been silent. Sometimes it feels like we get no word from God. Like you're praying and God speak to me. You're like, like God, God, just give me an answer. Anybody ever prayed that? God, give me an answer. Like, just give me, give me, give me a sign. I'll just give me a sign. Like this is, this isn't, uh, what's that movie? Uh, 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 he's driving and all the signs come out. Bruce Almighty. This ain't Bruce Almighty. Like God, just give me a sign. And the signs come up. It's like, stop, do not enter. Don't go. And he crashed. You know, everybody's seen Bruce Almighty. I'm not saying go see it, it's, you know, whatever. But you're like, God, give me a, just give me a feeling, give me anything, and then it's just silence. But can I tell you tonight that just because God feels silent doesn't mean that God is absent. And while you are waiting, can I tell you, God is working. And I want to show you a verse in the New Testament that gives us context of God's timing and the birth of our Savior. It says in Galatians chapter four, this is such a powerful set of scripture. Galatians chapter four, verses four and five, it says, but when the set time had fully come, when the set time, when it was ready, 
had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Now, in the Greek, there's this word in the original translation that when you read this part of scripture in the original translation, it's called pleroma chronu. Now, chronu, if you ever know, kind of understanding the word chronu is like chronological, chrono, which means time. Well, pleroma chronu means together means complete, full measure, the perfect time. And I love as you as you look at other translations and other verses or other translations of the scripture, this same Galatians chapter four, the one we read says, but when the set time had fully come, but you'll read another one that says, but when the time was right, then you can read another translation that said when the fullness of time had come, literally when the time was fully pregnant, fully pregnant, all the pregnant mamas in the room know when the time comes, if you've ever had a child. When it's ready, it's coming. I've had the luxury of watching all four of my children be born. The first one, I thought I was going to pass out. I was like, I can do this. I'm a man. I'm a look. Ah, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm going to look at you, baby, right here. You can do this. I'm going to shut my eyes. I'm going to wait till I hear the cry. I'll cut the cord, and I'm going to look back at you. Like, but any pregnant woman, any mother in this room that's had a baby will know as much as you want to rush it, when the time comes, you ain't stopping it. Like when he's ready, it's like, hold on, hold on, we gotta wait for the doctor. Nah, it's coming. Like, y'all know, it's happened to the nurse just a few months ago with us. It's coming, baby. We ain't waiting. Some may wish it to be sooner, but when it's time, it's the perfect time. Can I tell you tonight that when it's God's timing? It's always the perfect time and that no one can stop the will of God from happening ever. It doesn't matter. No matter what somebody says, it doesn't matter what law gets passed. It doesn't matter what 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 government may do or not do that. Can I tell you when God's timing is perfect, it is always perfect. And when God's will is supposed to happen, it will happen. It's going to happen. Scripture says, but when the time, the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman. Now, if you remember Genesis, let's take it back. If you remember Genesis, it said that there was going to be a seed of a woman. From that seed would come a savior who would crush the serpent. Now, why would it say that? Like, that's bizarre, right? Like, it doesn't make sense. Because if you look everywhere else in Scripture, you will see where, where, where it talks about the seed of a man. Biologically, that's how it works. There's no other way. The seed of a man is the only way that a child could be born. But this is the only time in Scripture where we will see where it says a seed of a woman. Why is that? That was because Jesus was to be prophesied to be born of a virgin. He was to be conceived, not from the seed of a sinful earthly man. You've got to understand how scripture is is playing this out. He didn't inherit a sin nature from an earthly father. So then how was he conceived? He was conceived by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. His father was from divine nature. Born of a seed of a woman conceived by the Holy Spirit, perfect in every way. That's why he could be the ultimate sacrifice. That's why he could be the innocent one. That's why he could be the lamb that was slain for the sins of our world. That's why he could be the savior who would come and would forgive us of all of our sins. 
That's how good our God is. He doesn't work in our system. And the Bible says at the perfect time. It's amazing how scripture links itself together. You probably never knew that in the very first book of the Bible that there was a prophecy of a coming savior with the first two people ever born, ever made, ever created. Verse 15 says it. But if you remember from Genesis all the way till now, centuries have passed. God promised to send a savior and they waited and they waited and they waited and they waited. waited. Say it with me. And they waited and they waited. So when did he fulfill it? When the time was just right. At the perfect moment. When the time was fully ready, God sent his son. Looking back, as you begin to look at what happened, you will see why God waited. You will see why Jesus came and why God sent his son at the perfect time. Because God's timing is perfect. His ways are always good. And I'll say it again. Just because God feels silent does not mean he is absent. While you are waiting, God is working. Okay, so let's going back. I'm gonna, how many of you love history? How many of you love history tonight? I hated history. I hated history in school. How many of you hated history? I didn't love history in school. That's too much to remember. All them dates. I, I, it was like, it was just a bunch of numbers to me. All them, all, I, just a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. But let's take a little history lesson tonight. Okay, can we do that? Let me take you on a journey. I promise you I'm going somewhere. I promise you I'm going somewhere. I'm building up for, the, for this, this whole thing, okay? I want to I go back to the intertestamental period and take you some quick history. So there, remember, there were 400 years of silence, but there were five major things that took place in that 400 years. The very first thing was this. Have you ever heard of Alexander the Great? Anybody ever heard of Alexander the Great? Okay. Alexander the Great conquered the world in 12 years. You know you're great and you know you did something real good when they call you Alexander the Great. You get a great added to the end of your name when you conquer the world. People call it today the goat. They just made a dunk. No, this was Alexander the Great. When you conquer the whole world, they're going to add great to the end of your name. So Alexander Great, he, 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 this is so significant because it was the first time in history that there was a common language brought to the whole world. For the very first time in those days, now almost everyone spoke a little bit of Greek. Okay, I want you to take you on something. They all spoke a little bit of Greek. So Alexander the Great conquered the world. Everyone began to speak the same language. Then the second thing that took place during that time was the Old Testament was translated into Greek. So previously they spoke Hebrew until around about 280 B.C. And now all the prophecies of a coming Messiah are now translated into something that they could read. They could not do that before. They could not read that before. The third thing that took place was there was a new way of learning that emerged called the Socratic method. This was the very first time that it was ever encouraged to ask questions while you're learning, not just to learn by hearing, but to learn by asking. So a whole whole new method of learning emerged during those 400 years. The fourth thing that took place was in 63 B.C., the Romans conquered the Greeks. Then there became this unusual and unprecedented time of peace. And while that began to happen, Rome began to develop all these roads. 
They begin to develop all these highways throughout the entire empire. All this thing begin to happen. And you're like, okay, where are we going here, preacher? Hold on, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Then number five, the fifth thing that took place was a, was a thing called diaspora. Now this was where the Jews had become forbidden to live in Jerusalem. And they begin to drive them out all the way to the ends of all these other cities. They all dispersed all throughout the entire Roman world. Now, individually, those are cool things. But when you add them all together, you begin to see why God made them wait. So where were you, God? What were you doing in that season of silence? Well, suddenly, in those 400 years, when people wondered where God was and what he was doing, for the very first time in history, everyone could read the Bible in a language they understood. For the very first time in history, they were encouraged to ask questions to a God who was about to send an answer, and his name was Jesus. Okay, okay. For the very first time in history, the good news of a savior would travel through common language, through roads and highways, and the Jewish people now that were forced to spread, guess what? They got to carry the message of Jesus all throughout the entire Roman world and beyond. So what was happening? While God's people were waiting, God was working. I don't know if you, I don't know if you see it yet. Some of you may feel like that right now, that you feel like you're in this holding pattern. You're in this, this time and this season of waiting. God, what are you doing? It seems like God's given you the silent treatment. You ever been given the silent treatment? My kids, sometimes they just they sit there and look at you and you're like, talk to me. And they're like, I'm like, we don't do this. But if you're waiting, can I tell you, you're not alone. You're not alone. If you read through all that scripture, there were people who waited all the time. There's this person named Abraham and this, 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 his wife Sarai, and they waited 25 years to hold their baby Isaac. They waited. God promised them a son. They forced their own way, made it happen another way, and God would say, no, that's not my plan, and they waited nearly 25 years to hold their own baby. They had to wait. They had to wait. Then. Joseph, guess what? He had to wait 13 years. He had a dream that he was going to rule the kingdom. Most of his, those 13 years that he had to wait were in prison before ever beginning to be able to rule Egypt. Then you had this woman who was in scripture. All we know her name is called the woman with the issue of blood. She waited 12 years to just touch the hem of the garment of Jesus. And she was healed. 12 years she waited for healing. There was a man who was lame, who could not walk for 38 years, 38 years. This man could not take himself anywhere. He was carried on a mat and Jesus steps in on the scene after waiting 38 years and says, hey, you know what? Pick up your mat and go home. And that man gets up in his legs. He began to be miraculously healed while you're waiting, while you're hoping. While you're wondering, God, where are you? Can I tell you? God is working. God is working. God is working. And God's delays are not necessarily his denial. A delay is not always a denial. While you're waiting on it, whatever it is, while you're waiting on the answer, while you're waiting on the miracle, while you're waiting on the provision, I wonder if maybe, maybe it's not ready and God's still working on it. 
Maybe it's not ready. Or maybe, maybe not that it's not ready. Maybe, maybe you're not ready. I don't know about you, but I got things that I'm waiting on. I got things that I've been praying about. I've been waiting on my mother to be healed for 25 years of, of cancer. I can't tell you why, but I know that God's working because I can see miracle after 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 miracle. And it's not what I pray for, but it's what he wants to happen. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. But I'm waiting. I've been waiting to feel more confident in the calling that God's given me. Been waiting, waiting, just being real. I've been waiting for healing in my heart for some things that's happened in my life. Things recent, things when I was a kid. I've been waiting, waiting, needing God to do something. I've been waiting on some news regarding some financial decisions I'm trying to make with my family. I've been waiting and it feels like my heart's upside down, waiting. I don't know about you, but I understand waiting. While you're waiting on it, maybe it's not ready. Maybe it's just not ready, but also I've learned, like I said, maybe that it's not ready, maybe I'm not ready. And I've learned that before God wants to do something for us, oftentimes he wants to do something in us. Before he maybe wants to do it for you, he wants to do it in you. So can I tell you, don't waste the waiting. Don't waste the waiting. Maybe God is teaching you that thing that you prayed that's really the Christian cuss word. It's called patience. How many of you have prayed for patience before? You've said the P word. Don't pray for patience. Pray for wisdom and understanding, baby. Wisdom and understanding. That is the best advice I could give you. Because when you pray for it, guess what? He gives you an opportunity. And another child pops out. And, or something else. That person at work shows up. And they got something to say. You just got to bite your tongue. Patience. Maybe, maybe God's trying to help you have a deeper trust. Maybe there's a trust issue here. Maybe God's trying to draw you closer to him in this time. Maybe, maybe he's trying to create in the time of waiting a deeper dependence on him. Can I tell you to tell your neighbor something? Just look him in the eye real quick. Yes, we're that church where we tell your neighbor something. Tell your neighbor the first thing I say, don't waste the waiting. Don't waste the waiting. Isaiah 64 verse 4 says this, Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Can I tell you tonight that God acts when we wait. God moves when we wait. God responds when we wait. God initiates when we wait. God interrupts things when we wait on Him. And can I tell you that God's ways are always good. His timing is always perfect. That you can trust Him. He is a God of His Word. He's not ignoring you. He's not neglecting you. He hasn't forgotten you. He loves you. He knows the desires of your heart. That while you're waiting, He is working. And just because God feels silent does not mean that He is absent. Why don't we just get on our feet? And why don't we give Jesus just a praise tonight? While he, we're waiting, God is working. Come on, let's just worship Jesus for a moment. God, we are waiting. God, you are working. God, we trust you.
waiting, He's working. While we're waiting, God is working. He's working. I love the song that says, even when I don't feel Him, and even when I don't see it, He's working. He's working. I just want to encourage you tonight that while you're waiting, He's working. He's working on your behalf. You may not feel it right now. You may not see, God, what are you doing? Why am I waiting so long? I'm in turmoil. My heart's broken. God, why are you waiting? Can I tell you when the time is fully ready, that when the time is right, God will show up in his perfect timing every time. While we're waiting, he's working. You know, if you, as you understand Christianity, it's, it's unique among all other world religions. As you begin to study, I did this in college. I, I, I studied a world religions class and they, they literally broke down every single religion. We got to see what, how it all began and the ties. And it's crazy to, to read all what a lot of the other people believe in all these other religions. And every other religious system, their people pursue their God. And they, they, they win favor with their God through good works, through good behavior, through rituals, through, through being just a good person. But can I tell you, and what we believe in the scripture, what it shows us is that we serve a God who pursues us. He pursues us. That when the time was right, God sent his son, became his own creation, became his flesh, and roamed this earth, the innocent lamb that was slain for you and I offered grace when we didn't deserve it offered favor on our life when we didn't do anything to earn it it sent his son who pursued you God pursues us that's the God that we serve that's how good he is I love what it says in 2nd Peter chapter 3 a final scripture tonight says this the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise how many thankful that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness, it says. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The question that I have for all of us tonight is what if the God that you're waiting for is waiting for you? What if he's waiting for you? Maybe you've come in here tonight. Life has been just been beating you down. Maybe a friend invited you, they brought you, they, they literally like drug you here or maybe drugged you here and you're here tonight, however you may be. Whatever, anything short of sin, that's what we say. Anything short of sin to reach people that don't know God will bring you here to church. You're going to know Jesus tonight. You're going to know Jesus tonight. What if we're waiting on God to do something and as God is like, I've already sent my son. The first thing I need you to do is just accept it. Maybe that's what God's waiting on you tonight every eye closed, every head bowed in this room, even if you're on the other side of a screen right now watching from all over the world. Maybe you've come in here tonight and you told yourself you would never shadow the doors of a church again, but you found yourself here. Maybe life has been beating you down or maybe life's okay, but you just feel like something is missing. 
You could have a good marriage. You could, you could still you have a good job. Life could be okay. Life could just be going smooth, but you just feel like, man, I just feel like something's missing. There's got to be more. I don't, I don't like the just monotony of life. I feel like there's got to be something more. Can I tell you, his name is Jesus. And he has a life for you that you cannot even imagine, that he's destined you for a purpose and an assignment on this earth that he created specifically for you at this set time, in this era, in this day and age, in this city, in the house you live in, the family that you're leading, the kids that you have, the workplace that he puts you in, the friends and relationships that he's brought you around, he sets you for this such time. And maybe you've come in here and maybe you don't know Jesus tonight. Maybe you've never given him the reins to your life. Say, Jesus, be Lord and leader of my life. Maybe you've done it at one point in your life, but maybe you've walked away. Maybe, maybe church is just a thing that you just come to when it's convenient. Can I tell you, church doesn't save you. Jesus does, but he does say, come together and build up one another and edify the name of God and edify each other and build each other up. So that way, when you hit the workplace on Monday at seven or eight in the morning, you've got the grace following you and the mercy following you and a Jesus who loves you and a Holy Spirit who guides you. You all, we need the Holy Spirit just to go through Walmart, much less go through my life. You need Jesus. And maybe, maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you need Jesus. Maybe you've walked away and it's time to come home like the prodigal son come back to the father if that's you with every eye closed in the room every head bowed for just a moment if that's you tonight you say I want to know Jesus I want to accept him as Lord and leader of my life let me tell you friend God sent his son we're celebrating his birth tonight but 33 years later he laid himself on a cross he poured out his blood for you and I Three days later, after they put him in a tomb and the devil thought he won, he walked out of that grave. He came out just taking the keys of death, hell, and the grave, conquering it and buying us back. I preached a message one time, said the tomb isn't empty. Very controversial. Why? It's because the things that the world tried to put on him, guess what? Those grave clothes were still in that grave. He said, it don't matter what name may be put on you. It don't matter what the world tries to wrap you in. I'm going to leave it dead in that grave, and I'm going to come out of this grave alive and well and show you that nothing can hold you down. No name, no reputation, no nothing. But by the grace of Jesus, you can walk in the name that he's given you. So if that's you tonight and you say, I need Jesus, with every eye closed, every head bowed, when I count down from three, I want you to just lift your hand as high as you can so I can see you. And I just want to pray with you tonight. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I just want to know who I'm praying with. Just lift it high and proud. Ready? Three, two, one. If that's you, just lift them up. Lift them up. I thank you. I see you. I see you. Just lift it high. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. I see you. I see you. Young and old, from the front to the back, bottom of the arena, all the way to the top. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And more importantly, God sees you. God sees you. Just three more seconds. If that's you tonight, you say, I want to know Jesus. I need him in my life. I've walked away, and I want to come back to the Father. Just lift your hand. I want to pray this prayer with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. I want us to pray this prayer out loud. All of us together, but your ears can hear you. Let's say this together. Say, dear Jesus. Come into my life. Help me to live a new life in you. God, I accept you as Lord and leader of my life. Thank you for sending your son Jesus 
to die on a cross for me. And today I ask that you would forgive me of all my sin and help me to live a new life in you. I put my faith in you, my hope in you, my trust in you. And while I'm waiting, God, I know you're working. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone shout a big amen. Why don't we celebrate with every single person who just accepted Jesus tonight. People went from death to life tonight. There is a party going on in heaven. There's a party going on right here. So proud of that decision.